Oh, you smoke cigarettes? You're going to hell. Oh, you're a Democrat? You're going to hell. How can you be a Democrat? You're going to hell. Oh, you you go to a party on the weekends and, and drink beer? You're going to hell. Nobody ever told me, hey, can I help you with this? Nobody ever came up to me. Can I help you with this? Can I help you better yourself? Do you need somebody to talk to about this? It was all judgmental, judgmental, judgmental. And that was something I didn't want to be a part of. That was something I told myself in my head, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want people to look at me like this because I'm not like this. If this is really what most of this faith is about, then I don't want anything to do with this. I mean, I met a lot of people that bucked a lot of the things that I was taught, um, you know, had a lot of uh, gay friends, and I started to kind of see the world a lot differently. You know, it really bothered me that I had met so many great friends and people and that it was uh, something that was wrong, viewed as wrong. And I think that that was a, that affected me. And it, uh, I would say it's still something that would, that I would say is maybe my number one complaint. As of right now, I am an atheist. I don't believe there is a God. No matter how close of a relationship you have with your students, no matter how involved they are inside your ministry, no matter how strong of a youth ministry you lead, it is still humbling as a leader to hear of a former student completely walking away from their faith. Today, we speak with two former students about their journey from student leadership to atheism. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. We are glad you're with us here for this episode. We are going to jump right in and be talking about some pretty heavy stuff today. But let's remind you, if you're listening to this and you didn't listen to our last episode, it was a good one. The last episode that we had on the Thought Factory was with Matthew DePrez. He is with Fuller Youth Institute. He discussed students walking away from their faith and the research behind that and gave a lot of his thoughts and expertise. In our next episode, we're going to be interviewing a person. I'm just, I cannot wait for you to hear this one. It's with a guy named Jay Warner Wallace. Amazing, amazing person, an expert when it comes to apologetics and Christianity, and uh, wrote a book called Cold Case Christianity, which I just want to encourage you, if you're working with students, you should have your hands on this book. It's a great book where he talks about evidences of faith and how important that is for students today. So that's in our next episode. Join us for that as well. He is a cold case homicide detective that has been featured on Dateline more times than any other detective. And so he knows evidence. He knows just how to approach something with such facts and reason. And he has done the same thing with Christianity and has gone from being an atheist to a full believer in Christ. And so it is an episode that you do not want to miss. Now, if you want your hands on the information where we get a lot of the content for this podcast, I want to tell you right now where you can get that, neverthesame.org slash podcast. If you go to that website, neverthesame.org slash podcast. Never the Same is the name of the organization that we're a part of. If you go there and you'll be able to get your hands on this beautiful 20-page report called the Adolescence in the Church Trend Report 2018, and it has brand-new, fresh research that we've done with thousands of students across the country about their beliefs and behaviors, so check that out. For today, we have an episode that's more personal to Jeff and I. We 
have interviewed former students of ours. We have discussed with them the reasons why they walked away from their faith. They are former students. For me, it was someone that was a student leader. He was super involved from middle school through high school, graduated, went off to a Christian college, and we just discussed the fact that he has walked away completely from faith. Same with you, Jeff, a former student. We just thought it would be interesting to just hear from them why and where they're at and what we could have done even as youth pastors, as their youth leaders, when they're in high school, to almost avoid this situation of them walking away from their faith. We've approached this episode a little bit differently than we have others, and Jason and I have talked a lot about this just as friends and off the air here about relationships that we have with former students like these. This is a bittersweet interview for me because we poured our lives into these guys, and yet we've kept the relationships intact. Jason, you have, and I have with Corey. And so that's that's a good thing. And I'm one for the long haul. You know, that relationship means a lot to me. I know it does to you. And as we, we talked today, we thought that it would be good to hear from their perspective. And we have looked internally, personally, yeah. you and I, Jason, about this. And, and we've looked to our ministries with these students and said, what could we have done differently to avoid this conversation that we're having today with them? It's a humbling interview. It is one of those that you, like you said, we kind of shine the spotlight onto our leadership as when we were youth pastors and going through what we thought was the best for these students. And then when you have a, a discussion with former students that have walked away, they love you. They, they still are in relationship with you, but they have denied what you are passionate about and what you have taught them and what you have tried to steer them towards a a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus Christ, and to allow that to transform their decisions and behaviors and lifestyle and all of these things that you go, a life lived for Jesus is so worth it. And they go, no, I don't want that anymore. And so, yeah, you look back and the conversation is just, it's eye-opening. I think we've talked openly and honestly with each other about our level of responsibility and culpability in these relationships and these situations with students. And as you're listening to this, if you've worked with students over amount of time and you've had different students cycle through ministry in your life and in their life as they've gone through middle school and high school, you can look back and you can have conversations like this. And and generally, they may even be able to look in the eye and say, I really appreciate and admire what you did in my life. And that's been always been the case with students like this for me. They would never say, and they maybe never would even think this, but I would think it is like, if I'd have done something differently, if I would have had maybe that other conversation or taught some different content or whatever, would it have made a difference in where they were in the future and where they are now? And that's what I think about with interviews like this. Well, for today, I really appreciate you just joining us and agreeing to come and have a conversation, like I mentioned on the phone yesterday. We just wanted to get your take on where you're at and the fact that you were super involved in my youth ministry, in the youth group. You were a student leader. You were at camp for seven years straight, all the way up through your senior year of high school, and really just have a conversation from your involvement with the Christian faith and then how you approach life now as an atheist. I mentioned just kind of this isn't, uh, we're not sitting here ready to have this gotcha moment where it's going to be, uh, we're trying to corner you into some sort of 
debate or make you look silly. We, we are coming from an angle of humility in a sense as youth pastors. We are, are both former youth pastors and still have relationships with students that have graduated and have decided to walk away from the faith that we were uh, trying to instill in them as, uh, as spiritual leaders. And so you came to mind. We're on the phone with Iman Gerar, and we are just discussing that, hearing your story, um, it, hearing about how that decision played out to walk away from not only just your your faith, but like a lifestyle of going to church and believing what you were, the number of years that you've believed into how it plays out into your life and the decisions that you make now, believing that there is no God. And we both respect each other. I know that. And I respect where you're coming from. And we'd really just, we're discussing spiritual growth in students' lives and this topic of students walking away from their faith when they graduate high school. And you are someone that I respect and I love and want to just hear from you that process. So, Iman, why don't you um, why don't you start by going back a few years and talk about your experience with faith and Christianity and God early on in your journey of growing, whenever that might be, middle school, high school. Talk to us about that stage of your life and your faith. Well, the funny thing is my grandfather is actually a pastor, which I'm, I think both of you know. Um, and so at a very young age, I was exposed to Christianity, going to church with my grandfather, dressing up in my little suits, you know, singing. Uh, I saw the light and whatnot at his church and grew from that to a point of where I was exposed to daybreak in a completely different side of Christianity, a side that I liked more, where it was more free. It was more involved it was more not just here's the bible here's what you need to know here's here's how to live your life it was more of an involvement and more of a this is fun christianity can be fun faith can be fun whether it was going to camp whether it was hanging out with my small group leader uh, on the weekdays the watching basketball doing other things as a group that didn't involve church. So that was what really drew me in. And you guys did a great job, and I'm sure you, you still do with camp, of doing that, of drawing people in and then exposing them in a right way to Christianity so they can see a different side of it that they're not used to, because that's what drew me in, a side that I wasn't used to of faith. And that's what drew me in. So going from there, when I got into middle school, high school, started to go to daybreak every week, uh, starting to go to youth group every week, I became very involved. I loved it. I loved God. I was in a great relationship with God. I was in a great place. Yes, I still sinned. Yes, I was still drinking on the weekends sometimes. I wasn't perfect. Nobody is. But I was trying to better myself. You know, I was smoking cigarettes at 17 years old right before I walked in the door at Flood. And it was something that I know Jason talked to me about multiple times. Uh, it was something that I tried to work on. But that was something that I didn't see as that big of a deal. I didn't see it as a, a huge sin. I'm not going out having sex with multiple women all the time. I'm not, you know, doing this. I'm not doing that. It's just one little thing I have. Sure, I drink a beer every now and then. Sure, I smoke cigarettes. Is it really that big of a deal? 
And that was something I never really took seriously. But I had such a great relationship with God beyond that, that I felt that it was okay to have those two little vices in my life. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah, yeah. Then let's keep going. So, you know, faith is an active part of your life. You're very engaged uh, with Jason. And then talk to us about kind of that next phase, post-high school, uh, what your experience was there. And as I understand your story, that's where things with faith and your beliefs begin to really change. Yeah, so I got a full ride to Cornerstone, which is a private Christian university. Was very, very excited to go there. I was actually, the second semester of my last year of high school, I was actually taking a cla- two classes there. What really made me walk away from my faith was the judgmental aspect of Christianity that I ran into at Cornerstone. Oh, you smoke cigarettes? You're going to hell. Oh, you're a Democrat? You're going to hell. How can you be a Democrat? You're going to hell. Oh, you you go to a party on the weekends and, and drink beer. You're going to hell. Nobody ever told me, hey, can I help you with this? Nobody ever came up to me. Can I help you with this? Can I help you better yourself? Do you need somebody to talk to about this? It was all judgmental, judgmental, judgmental. And that was something I didn't want to be a part of. That was something I told myself in my head. I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want people to look at me like this because I'm not like this. If this is really what most of this faith is about, then I don't want anything to do with this because the Bible states not to judge unto others. That's only the job for God. Only God can judge. Yet we see so many people, and it's not just a cornerstone, we see so many people judging others for their sins and, and telling people, oh, you can't be doing this or you're going to burn. Uh, look at the the crazy sides of Christianity, like the, the Westboro Baptist Church, and every religion has their crazy side, don't get me wrong. Uh, the Westboro Baptist Church and, and people like that. And I understand that not everybody's like that, but from my experience in faith and Christianity, you get people judging you for your sins 99% of the time, and not in a crazy way not in this, not in that, but it's only that 1% that comes up to you, like you, Jason. You're in that 1% that comes up to you, hey, do you need help with this? Hey, do you need to talk about this? And that's something I just didn't want to be a part of. There were other aspects to it in my life, relationship issues, health issues with my family that just made me think, if there really is a God, why am I going through this? If there really is a God, why are so many people in the world struggling? Why are so many people in the world starving to death? You know, things that I'm sure you guys have thought about in your struggles, because even though you guys are strong in your faith, we all have those aspects. And I even did it when I was very strong and I had a great relationship with God. I struggled with those questions as well. You Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned of struggling with those kind of thoughts in high school and just wondering, in your time of high school, you were super engaged. I remember you being uh, incredibly excited about the musical worship of any event, a camp, or in the youth ministry, the, the youth group. You'd be the first one to the front of the stage. There was this sense of excitement about it. And then talk to us about was there the doubt that you had that you kind of mentioned about God's character, God's approach to humanity? Talk about those doubts in high school. 
Those doubts in high school definitely came, especially when my first true love broke up with me. Those doubts came for sure, but they weren't really there because I was so engaged and so focused and had a great network around me, a great network of people who were also strong in their faith, a great network of people who were there to help me. People like you, uh, people like Justin Jewell, people like my small group who I had around me to help me with those things. So while those doubts came and went, they weren't persistently there. And then, Iman, would you say now that you've kind of gone through this journey, would you say now that those questions still pose a barrier for your faith? I mean, talk about where you are in your faith right now. As of right now, I am an atheist. I don't believe there is a God. At times, I do have thoughts in my head. Maybe there is a God, you know, stuff like that. I'm not necessarily convinced that there is. And I guess the barriers in my head for me going back to faith is everything that I've been through, all the aspects that I've talked to you guys about, et cetera, and so forth. I don't know. It's not something that I really think about, Jeff. It's not something that I think about. I never think about returning to faith. I never think about really going back to reading the Bible, going back to trying to rebuild a relationship with God. It's not really something that I think about because I'm happy about where I am in my life right now. I think things are going well for me for the most part. Um, there are some aspects that I need to work on as a person, but it's not something that really has me thinking, man, I really need help. I need to run back to God for help. I have a great network of friends around me who help me. I have a great family who helps me when I'm down. So it's not something that necessarily, I guess those would be considered barriers. I'm not sure if that's what you're talking about, but it's not something that goes through my head, man, I need God in my life because I don't feel that way. I mean, when we met for dinner a while ago. Yeah, with my ex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of your ex-girlfriends. Um, there was a sense of, grief for me to kind of hear that how Christians cause you to walk away from Christianity. Not me, myself, but to hear that you went off to a Christian school and because of the ridicule and the judgment that you received from those who claim faith in Jesus Christ, those conversations cause you to walk away from the faith that, the same faith that I have. And there was a sense of grief for, for you, for the years of leadership that I have had the privilege of in your life. All that to say, looking back, how would you encourage somebody in my position leading someone like you who may not have been as confident or as prepared or equipped to defend against the, the ridicule and the judgment and have a solid faith in, in Christ to deflect those comments and still be able to walk with strength in the Christian walk. Well, Jason, the first thing I'm going to say to you is it's not your fault. And I don't want you feeling bad because I did walk away. And I'm sure you're going to, and I understand that completely. But it's not your fault. You are not the reason uh, that I walked away from faith. Nothing, you were always good to me. But going back to the question is, yeah, I wasn't equipped for that because I never, never experienced it. I never experienced that other Christians will come up to me and, and tell me that I'm a sinner, I'm going to help. You know, like I said earlier, if they would have come up to me and said, hey, how can I help you with this? 
then it would have been a completely different aspect and I still might be a Jesus follower today. But I guess my advice for somebody would be not to take it to heart. Don't take it personally. Make sure you have a great network of people around you to help you when you get attacked like that. And don't take it to heart. Run to those who you have close and don't be afraid to ask for help. Is that really the question, Jason? Sort of, but I also was on the perspective of the youth leader who is leading students to follow Jesus Christ. And ultimately, there's there's stats of the number of students that they graduate high school and they walk away. And as a youth leader, are, are we preparing students to defend their faith post-graduation? Are, are <clears throat> we doing what we need to be doing or are we focused on the wrong thing, almost anticipating an assumption when that assumption is never going to be reality because students are walking away and we think they're going to be okay when in reality they're, they're not, and we haven't prepared them uh, adequately. And so I guess from your perspective of post-graduation, post-faith, how can you speak into a youth leader who is investing their time and energy and efforts to lead students to have a faith in Jesus Christ? Well, that's a tough question because so many students, they either go far away for college, they don't stay in touch, they weren't as involved as I was. And, you know, Jason, you and I stayed in touch, which is, is awesome. It's great to have you as a friend. But the advice I would give to you and Jeff would be make sure your students know the battles they are going to face once they leave for college make sure they're prepared for the attacks they're going to receive make sure they are prepared for the temptations they're going to to receive and that's something that i think every youth leader needs to work on uh, more so because i was not ready i was not prepared for all the temptations i was not prepared for and i didn't go far away i was at a christian school and those temptations were still there those attacks still happened that's one of the reasons I went to a Christian school is because I knew I wasn't prepared for those. I knew I was not prepared and they still occurred. So that would be my advice to you and Jeff would make sure, make sure your students are ready, are prepared for those, stay in touch as much as you can and be there to help them even after they graduate. Uh, send them a text, hey, do you need help with anything? How are you doing? Uh, shoot them a phone call, hey, if you ever need to talk, I'm here. And I know that's a lot of students for you guys to manage, but uh, just once a month, once every two months, it's something just so they know you're still thinking about them and you haven't completely stopped thinking about them because they're not in your youth ministry anymore. That's something that would definitely help. That's good. Thank you, Iman, for your thoughts and just even agreeing to join us to have this conversation to be open, to be respectful to what we believe and to what we're trying to do as well. I love you like a brother. I love you too, man. You guys are awesome. Yeah, we appreciate you, Iman. I'm so glad you're able to join us, man. Well, well you spoke some you spoke some truth and wisdom, man. We yeah, really appreciate it. Yep. It was good. It's great to connect. You know, I you guys are two of my favorite people. So uh, I love you guys to death, and I'm glad everything's going well with camp and whatnot, and I hope you guys are out there changing lives.
after we return from the break, we will hear from a former student of Jeff's. So stay tuned. So my name is Kyle Ray. I serve as a lead pastor uh, at Kentwood Community Church. So I started coming to NTS camp uh, during the summer, really because I needed to see it for myself. I didn't grow up uh, in a camp experience. So I grew up in church, but we didn't have a summer camp experience. So when I would hear people talk about all of the benefits of summer camp, um, they made a pretty strong case for it. And it required a lot of time and energy to get students there. And so as a lead pastor, I just needed to see for myself that it was all that it was cracked up to be. And um, once I came the first time, I could see how much of an encouragement it was to the students. It was one of those settings where they would start to look around and say, we don't see other senior pastors here. And, and so I didn't get prideful about that. I just realized that it meant a lot to them. In fact, the first year I came, students ran from their activity, hoisted me on their shoulders, and uh, were celebrating the fact that I was there. And so you get something like that done for you, you can't help but go back year after year. Sitting here with Corey, one of my former students, Corey. Hello. What should I even call you now? Dude, you can call me whatever you want. What, what I go I by Bordeaux after? now. Okay, uh, that's that's, that's formal, but I, I, don't, you know, I don't worry about it, you know. You I, changed your name. I did. How yeah. old were you when you changed your name? I was 18. You were 18 when you changed. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it's about right. Yeah. I, if I look back now, I'm like, I didn't need to take it that far. <laughs> uh, Wait, is Bordeaux your official name? It is, you yeah. went from Corey Ullman to Corey Bordeaux. Yeah. I think it was an identity crisis uh, in full extent, you know, but I could have done other more damaging things. On full things. display for the world, yeah. Well, at least you don't have some big gaudy tattoo, hopefully, right? No, I don't. your chest or no, something. No, I got like... a key lime pie on my ankle. Okay, oh, that's good. Yeah. No, you like key good. lime pie. I do, just it's not in people's ankles. My favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite dessert, dude. So I was Corey's youth pastor. We've known each other since you were... Seventh grade, I think. That's when you... Uh, Came to the came church. Came to the scene, yeah. Yeah. So uh, real tight friends with your family, and yeah, it, it was. those are some good memories, good days. Good days. Saw you come through middle school, and then I was your official pastor in high school, although right. I knew you in middle school. And we traveled. I used to lead worship in those days. We traveled around the country a little bit, mm -hmm. did that. We had fun playing, man. We did. We did. And I wish I had half your musical talent, but here we are. So it's so good to have you with us, Corey, Thank to share you. a little bit. And, um, good to be here. We've been on a long road together in many, many ways. So thanks for being here. And let's let's just go back to let's go back to middle school, high school, sure. and your faith. I mean, you were a student leader with us. Sure. You're in the student leader role. You're a worship leader. You're on stage. You were you went on trips. You did about everything that a student could do. Let's talk about where your faith was back in those days. Yeah. Um, well, I love music. You know, I think that that was a huge draw to the church. You know, that was. Uh, one of the first times I kind of had that self-awareness about the acceptance and people being like, oh, wow, you're, you're good at this, you know, and uh, that was a good feeling. As far as the faith, you know, it's, it's hard to even call it that as I, as I look back because I'm kind of weary of having such strong feelings about something at such a young age. You know, you're really undeveloped, uh, even though I think I had been going through a lot of transgressions, uh, dealing with a lot of my parents, things that they're going through. I loved being at church because it was my home. Uh, it was where people accepted me. People thought I was cool, you know? Not that I worried about that. People thought I was cool at school or like, you know, I, I was successful in having friends. I wasn't mm -hmm. like a lonely person. But I think the, the music is what was really the most impactful thing, you know, in the beginning. And I think that the power of worship and music, I thought that that was my connection to God. The emotion, I think that that, to me at the time, was kind of the proof 
that God was real. Mm. You'd lead worship, and I mean, we've had we had many worship sessions, you know, that would get very emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that to me was kind of that main connection that I had. Uh, a lot of the other things, a lot of the other aspects were good, but I don't think they really ingrained roots in me. Like, I don't think I would necessarily say I had true faith or like the concept of Jesus. Or I always had questions about those sort of things, mm-hmm. even from an early age. But I didn't worry, really worry about it. I didn't need to have to worry about it because I knew God was real. You know, right around like 11th or 12th grade, you know, I think I was a student leader in 10th grade, went to D.C. You know, I just started to kind of poke holes. And I, I was starting to kind of get more thoughtful and intellectual, didn't understand a lot of things of why we... I'm saying we as a, at the time, like why we go down, why we believe what we believe. The combination of socially conservative things mm-hmm. and with kind of universal love. I was having a lot of trouble mm. connecting those. Meeting a lot of people that broke that mold, you know, that, that I, didn't, I didn't know in church. And I think I was, I let, and then I'd see people that I, I mean, by the time you're in 12th grade, you know, I've known people for, five or six years mom got divorced I think it was just like I just saw the holes in it you know yeah I think again now that I'm older now I I understand looking back like it's very reactionary at that time that's just where I was yeah yeah you know and I and I I could understand I think I think at times I don't know if the word is difficult but I think I was a difficult student for you because I'd push back a lot Mm-hmm. Um, what and what I would perceive as you, uh, as a minister, you know, are trying to project your message, you know, which I, I wholeheartedly think that you do in good faith, you know. Yeah. Sure. But it just wasn't good enough for me, and not that that has anything to do with your intentions. I had questions. When you say you're a difficult student, something just came to mind. I'm going to tell a quick story. You did. Yeah. You were performing in our youth center one night. I wasn't yeah. there. I wish I was because yeah. this was an epic uh, story. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm talking about? The underwear story? Yeah. Yeah. So you was doing a song, and right in the middle, there's hundreds of students there. Yeah. It's on a Friday night. <laughs> yeah. You're up there waxing eloquently on your six string, probably singing. And yeah. You had the band with you, your band that you yeah. formed. You had multiple yeah. bands back then. And was it, it was a sax or what, what was the, the instrument? clarinet? The clarinet soloist yeah. came Kyle. out from the back. And my buddy Kyle. In his whitey tidies. Yeah. <laughs> performed the clarinet solo and then yeah. walked off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> when you say you're a difficult student, I mean, we had some challenges. That was. Yeah. And you know, I don't, I don't, and I don't like, even mean it that way. No, I know, I know. That's just what came to mind. I know. No, that's good. I think, I think um, that was just me not understanding that there's like kind of a line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because sure. like we would do skits and stuff, and it, it was yeah. okay to be funny yeah, at yeah. church. But we, yeah, we, it was cool. You know, I, I never had a problem. No, I, I feel like I owned it and apologized. Yeah, and, yeah, and it was, it was, it was fine. I, th- yeah. I think what I mean is, um, I remember one time specifically. I always felt very open talking to you and like yeah. you showed me your Walkman. You're like, most people put the headphones on, press play and it works. And they are satisfied with that. And you're like, you are a person who needs to know exactly how it works. And Wow, that was deep. I don't even remember saying that. That's good. Yeah. Nice work. Should be yeah, writing that good. down. Yeah. Yeah. That analogy worked perfectly. <laughs> you that's a good one, dude. What's a Walkman? Walkman. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, 
a cassette player. So I, I, remember, I that. remember that. And I'd always, I always thought about that. I was like, okay, well, I'm just a person that needs to know how it works. And it was never uh, like a decision like, oh, like it's, it's, I'm done with this. You know, I think yeah. it was just kind of like, I don't belong here anymore because I felt like I was kind of doing damage. Not kind of, I felt like I was doing damage to your, your ministry. And that's cool because I loved you. I loved, and I still do. And I love what you guys do and what you did for me and for a lot of people. It just wasn't appropriate for me to be there anymore. I didn't want to live out this thing in front of everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that, that was, back, that was about your senior year or so? I'm trying to think back. By the time I was kind of all out, I think I was all out senior year. Yeah. You know? And then, so post high school. Yeah. I've, we've stayed in touch over the years. and Yeah. You went out west mm-hmm. for a while, and uh, communication got scarce for a little bit. But for a little bit, but I know you. You've we've always had a yeah, very good open yeah um, dialogue between the two of us. And talk us through just where you were then in those years. So I mean, I just went and did my thing. You know, I think a lot of the things with the name change, and um, which is my grandma's name. So I took her last name. Mm-hmm. I think what it was, it was just. I hated where I was coming from. I hate, I felt like it was such a horrible representation of who I was, and I just felt like misunderstood. Now I look back, I realize I didn't need to do that. But, you know, anger at my dad for being a what I perceived at the time, I think he would admit it too, that just a really selfish person. And I think the damage that inflicted uh, and all of the collateral damage that happened with that. I wanted to just stand on my own. Yeah. You know, and I think it was the right thing to do because I got to go uh, to San Francisco and kind of start my life over. And not that I obviously I never I didn't shun anything that was before. And and that's the thing. It's like not about forgetting about everything that happened, because now when I look back, you know, I, I still carry a lot of the things that we were talking about with me those times. I didn't realize it at the time, but this source of moral goodness that I learned through church, I think that I had a lot of impact on a lot of people. I think that God is proud of, and I think that you'd be proud of if you were to know of the details. But yeah, worked in fashion for about seven or eight years, some wholesale, mostly high-end retail, men's clothing. He worked at Hugo Boss, uh, John Barbados. Continued to kind of dig deeper into what I've kind of come to term like secular religion. It's kind of like holding the truths that you hold as a Christian, but like in a secular manner, just being like firm on what's the truth, Mm -hmm. you know, being so sure of those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I met a lot of people that bucked a lot of the things that I was taught, Um, you know, had a lot of uh, gay friends and I started to kind of see the world a lot differently. You know, it really bothered me that I had met so many great friends and people and Mm -hmm. that, it was uh, something that was wrong, viewed as wrong. And I think that that, was a, that affected me. And it, uh, I would say it's still something that, would bo- that I would say is maybe my number one complaint. But yeah, I, I would say uh, then I kind of, as I was wrapping up my time in San Francisco, I started, I got out of the retail, stopped working in fashion because I was just tired of it being about money. And, you know, you're, you have clients and they're, less than friends, but more than acquaintances, and you're maintaining relationships for the sake of, you know, maintaining business, which I kind of didn't have the maturity at the time to realize it's like, that's kind of how the world works, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, we all have those relationships. Sure. And then switched over, started bartending a lot, got really into food and beverage, and, and but still always working in service, 
always serving people. I really enjoy doing that. I feel like I'm good at it, you know. Uh, then moved to Chicago, got married, you know, near the end to my longtime girlfriend. Continued to get kind of closer and closer back to my roots. You know, moved back to Grand Rapids a year ago, and st- I would still say, but really have started to think about life and God a lot differently recently. I would say in the last year, I've kind of turned to the corners and how I feel about those sort of things. But I think it's a, my journey was more of just like being okay with who I am and being like, well, you're different, you know? Like, why am I different in these ways? And how can I be more normal? It's, and now I realize that's just like not possible. Like, no, you are just like different. You're kind of, you don't make sense to people. Your story is unique and kind of patched together. But that's, I think that helped, it's helped me now that I've kind of embraced it, it's just like, it's like freeing. And I feel like now I'm, I feel blessed to have made it through all those things. I've like learned so much about myself and how to interact with other people. Mm. Let's, let's talk for a minute. Cause yeah. this is a, there's a lot of people in this audience that are youth pastors, volunteer youth workers, some parents, but particularly yeah. like to the people working with students right now, I think in all my years of working with students, I've seen and uh, I always tell this to a few, but it's true, dude. You're always one of my favorites. You know Thanks. That. Thank you. Well, we're, <laughs> that's, we're, that's great, we're a great true. friendship, you know? We do. And um, I'm sure it was... Even though weird. you're difficult <laughs> in your whitey-tidies. But, uh, you know, like... It's I, funny, though, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I look at that, and I, I wonder... I know how I feel sometimes when I hear, directly or indirectly, from a former student that's graduated, that they've kind of walked away from Christianity... Mm-hmm. It's a mixed bag of feelings. Sure. And so speak to, speak to the youth workers listening to this and talk about what would you say to them about how they should respond when they hear that about their students? This might sound counterintuitive, but it's not all about God. It's not all about just like developing faith in young people. Sometimes for me, it was I needed someone to talk to. I needed someone to hang out with. I needed someone to like think you know to like think I was cool not for my ego but like I needed a friend you know and like we would tell jokes and play music together and like those are all things that have a lot of value you know and I I wouldn't get just because I see I see you and I being friends for the rest of my life I could change my faith or whatever I could go in a totally different direction not that I plan on doing that but like it's not all about that faith you know I it, it is for you, and that's great, and it is for me, but I think that, you know, you're, you know, youth pastors are teachers. Take solace in the fact that even when I was in San Francisco, I wasn't promiscuous. You know, I experimented with drugs and alcohol, but I wasn't a drug addict, and I didn't fall into those traps. I'm happily married, you know, a good dad, accountable, you know. I think that those are values that I wouldn't have if it wasn't for you and Mark, Kyle and I talk about it all the time. And I think that we have so much in common. So don't beat yourself up because I've gained so much. I wouldn't be the person I would be without that kind of influence in my life. And I think that your inspiration for being that influence in my life comes from your faith in God. And I would say that, you know, when you're a pastor, I talk about this with Kyle a lot because we're in the same house, you know? So it's like, why did he go this way? Why did I go this way? And Kyle, by the way, you mentioned Kyle. He's a... Your your brother. Yep. Set brother. Yep. Who works here at Never the Same. Yeah. 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 Kyle Wood. Yeah. I would just say faith comes a lot easier for some people than it does for others. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there and you're 
there's so much more than just is this person living a Christian life? Because I feel like I I do live a Christian lifestyle, you know. Even though I mean I'm like relatively I'm a really pretty conservative person. Like I don't drink a lot, um, you know. Cutting back on marijuana use. I I think I mean for the most part, like you, you could come to my house and be like, this is uh, there was not much difference between my house and your house. Yeah. You know, I go home every night and. You know, I got things I got to do, and I'm accountable to my wife and my son and my job. And I wouldn't be there if it wasn't for that. You know, I'd be more out there. I'd be more, like, eclectic. I'd be more like my dad. I'd be just doing what I want to do, not understanding the value in having having fa- family, you know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's that's what I, I mean. That'd be my message. It's like it, it, it wasn't wasted. The time wasn't wasted because we're still friends. And you have a lot to gain from talking to people who have contrarian thoughts and feelings about your work, you know, can help you challenge you to become better about your messaging, what kind of people you want to reach. Yeah. Going back to your high school years and Mm -hmm. you you mentioned that you started to poke holes into the faith and kind of questioning and everything like that. And yet you were really close with Jeff and had a, a, a tight relationship, a friendship. Did you feel like you could still ask the hard questions and still be who you could be or you felt like you couldn't because it would it would distort that relationship uh i felt like i i felt like i did and i was you know i felt like i it was never about jeff you know and i felt like every time i saw jeff and it was cool i think i think he kind of understood poking holes it's just like semantics you know i think it would just say like uh you know like the Bible says to like love us all or like that all humans are created in God's image, you know, something that I actually do believe, you know, but then like, why are, why are people gay? And then, then it becomes like a choice of, uh, okay, well you're born that way or this questions bring up other questions. I guess what I'm asking is like having those, those questions, like why, why did you have to leave because of those questions instead of like, feeling like you could still ask those questions amongst the community that is found in a youth group? Uh, I just don't, I don't think I was satisfied with the answers and um, I might still not be. Um, and I think that that's where we just are going to disagree. And at that time, I just didn't want to go anymore. You know, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm not like onto living some heat and lifestyle. I just didn't, I was like, this is not, this is not fulfilling me the way that I uh, it used to or whatever, and I don't think it was anything with a relationship. And maybe Jeff at the time wasn't equipped to answer the questions either, you know, or didn't maybe know what I was getting at because I didn't know how to articulate what I was really questioning. And then you're just like, you're still so young. Like, you just don't, you don't understand responsibility. I just was not going to take the the usual thing, the usual explanation. And, And I just didn't feel like going anymore. I was like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work on something else. It just wasn't intellectually stimulating. And, but I still think we maintain a friendship. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. It was never like, I'm out of here. You know, it was just kind of like, ah, you know, I think I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm moving in a different direction. Mm -hmm. I guess I asked that question just as like a more, is the, the place that we are providing for students welcoming for somebody like you, Corey, that is having those questions. Yeah and those doubts and start to go what you are saying and how it just doesn't compute with me and and my intellectual ability. And so you just walk away versus going, 
is this a place where I can have that discussion? And, you know, for our audience of, of youth leaders and yeah, we have those students that come into the doors and, and start to question things of the faith. And are we able to give answers that will allow them to wrestle with it and, yeah. and have a safe <clears throat> place to discuss it, not go, you know, and if we're open to say, Hey, this is the kind of environment where you can be skeptical, contrarian, right. ask the questions. Yeah. yeah. I've gone back in my memory and tried to think, wow, what kind of environment did we create there with our ministry? And I, I think as people are listening to this, I would encourage them, be intentional about about verbally when you're together in your group publicly saying, hey, we, we want this to be a place where you can bring your doubts and questions because um, I've always really admired and respected students that were skeptical and doubtful because it just created great dialogue and it showed that they were thinking that they weren't just swallowing you know the food that we were feeding them without asking hey what's in here you know uh, yeah i would say something that would have satisfied me at that time and even now something that i've that i embraced especially like as i was kind of coming to my own at those those end years in high school i would say is that like i'm really uncomfortable with people being too sure about anything not that i'm like some sort of humanist or like science needs to explain everything but more you know no human has has been to heaven or seen it you know there's the faith in it and there's an acknowledgement that i could be wrong we all could be wrong that would have probably made me feel like okay which means i could be wrong too you know and i think that that's an important thing i mean that's what's really turned me off actually uh about like secular religion you know or 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 atheist religion you know is that it's 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 like whether you're a christian or you're muslim or you're an atheist it's like this this overconfidence that that you can just like 100 percent say this is the way that it is and i know when I know that there's no way that you could actually say you could know, now you have a hunch and you have great faith and I respect that. And, but I think that that's like needs to be more of the answer. And sometimes there's a tendency with religion and I'm including atheism as well. Cause like when, especially when I was out in San Francisco, like that's, I branded that as just people like, there's no God, you know, and it's like, well, you don't know either. You don't know just like the person that says that they do know. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're, having struggles like an intellectual struggle with a student as a pastor to be like the truth is is that i have a deep faith that this is the truth and that never is going to shake but there is no way that i can prove to you that this is what's wrong you know there's only faith and i'm not sure how that flies you know i don't know if that's like uh don't don't do that <laughs> rule you know like in pastor boot camp you know they're like don't even open that can of worms you know i can't tell you what we talk about in pastor boot camp i would secret yeah yeah that's good yeah so Corey, does that makes um, sense it does yeah. it yeah. does yeah. it does because totally. it means i can trust you it's like yeah. okay i can trust you with the infinite questions of the universe which is like those things that i those are the things that i was thinking about yeah it's like how it's like this just kind of seems like just a little too black and white yeah, yeah. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And I think, Corey, you were on that. We've been talking about this a little bit here and there in these episodes. You were on the really the front edge, I think, generationally of a generation that grew up in the information age Yeah, with access to so much uh, opinion and, and what people believe and what's out there. And uh, let me ask you this to, to kind of wrap up. You've alluded a few times. Where are you at now? 
Um, you know, I've, you know, I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be, uh, candid, you know, I, I had called Kyle Wood up about two months ago, uh, and I had, uh, I had gone into the church, uh, St. Uh, Alphonsus, which was like just right by my house, just cause I felt like I should go there because I was just so unhappy, you know, and, uh, and also I was feeling something tugging at me because I had kind of had this paralysis by analysis kind of thing that was happening to me where I kept on, I kept on kind of coming to these conclusions in my mind about God or kind of what is morality? What is the source of morality? What is the source of what is good? What is it inside of me that makes me want to do good or be good? And, you know, I feel like I do have come to the conclusion that God is real. I do believe that there is God and that God did create us in his image. And I think that that is really, really important for humanity to understand. You know? How many years ago did you graduate high school? Uh, 2004. So 14 years. 14 years. So, yeah. you know, listening to this for, for some people working with students, you know, they may be thinking, oh man, yeah, this student graduated a couple of years ago and they seem so far from God from yeah. their perspective. And you just, it's, uh, you know, the older you get, you realize, boy, the, the long, the long play on something oh, yeah. is, is really, um, where it's at. And just knowing that there's movement, there's traction, there's always hope. And Corey, um, it's really, yeah, you're you're a beautiful person. I'm just so glad you're able to to share your story and and um, thank you for uh, being vulnerable with us. Oh yeah, for sure. sure, for sure. This is fun. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll close on that. Like I would just say, you know, dude, like fourteen to eighteen, dude, you don't know, you don't know anything. There's still so many things that you're gonna learn and mess up on, and it can kind of bounce you in either direction. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, play the long game. Well, I feel I feel kind of somber after thinking about these two guys, our conversation, and and knowing where they are. And I always feel hopeful, like um, you know, things are happening and progressing in their lives. But these two guys, for us, represent maybe for you listening, people in your lives that you know that um, that you're reaching out to and you're wondering and 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 attempting and going, what can I do to really speak truth and to show, continue to, to be a steady, faithful influence of Christ's love in their life? I know when Iman said, I don't blame you, Jason, and to hear that, it's like that's, that's somewhat comforting, but at the same time, he also said, I didn't feel prepared to face the opposition, to face what he was facing, and so then I placed that responsibility on, on me to say, I did not give you enough resources, I did not give you enough things to to walk away from high school and and enter the world with the confidence to be able to, to live out your faith and defend your faith even against Christians who may have alternate beliefs. And so yes, he doesn't blame me, but I I still feel that weight. I go back to the conversation we had a couple episodes ago in talking about nine seismic movements in youth ministry in the last 9 years and one of those is thinking is taking over. And what we talked about, and I would encourage you, if you haven't heard that, go back, and, and it's in our list of nine things, but one of the things is how students 
their thought process is, has changed. And intellectualism and more of a cerebral approach, I think, is, is more important than it has been in the past with students and our approach to them about faith and Christianity, because they do connect. I mean, faith and belief, uh, those, those aren't separate things. And my encouragement to you as you're listening to this is, is think about what you can do to, to prepare and to think. And I'm thinking about a great resource that you can have. And uh, I, I downloaded it. I think it's amazing. You go on the App Store, it's Cold Case Christianity. That's a great app. It's got a lot of resources. And we're interviewing the author of, of that app and all the material in it on this podcast. So check that out. Yeah, Jay Warner Wallace is one of those guys that you highly respect because of the length of and depth of of research and investigation that he has gone into with the Christian faith. And so, yeah, that comes to mind when you start to think, man, someone like Iman or Corey who could have their hands on a book like this and read it and go, okay, it's leading me towards believing versus not having anything and then just giving up on faith altogether. What I loved about the app is that he's got podcast episodes in there so you or your students could listen. It's got YouTube links in there as well so they could watch or you could watch. It's got all, so there's a book, there's listening, there's visual, there's lots of different resources. Highly encourage you as a takeaway from this episode to think about a resource like that called Cold Case Christianity. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Welcome to the bonus segment. As always, we want to thank you for joining us after the episode is done. This is all the content that we are discussing is around Claim Your Campus 2020, an event that we are doing in the year 2020 on the weekend of July 4th. You may have heard about it. You may not. If you have not, check us out at ClaimYourCampus2020.com and see more about what you can do to be involved. One of the ways that you can be involved is becoming an adult advocate. What that entails is is basically claiming a school in your community that you care about and and really becoming an advocate for the students that go to that school to then allowing that to be an avenue for those students to, to attend our event in 2020. So that is one way that you can be involved for Claim Your Campus 2020. So you're going to be kind of like an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, a guide. Yes, a guide. Or Yoda. Yep. You You explain how important it is, but you can't actually fight the fight for them. That's right. So you can be like that. And uh, so we're looking for lots and lots of adult advocates. And all these updates, we're giving just bits and pieces. We're talking with artists that will be there that are signing on, and there's some exciting conversations we're having. We can't announce anything right now, but we you've already heard, if you've listened to these, you've already heard For Yourselves for King Country talking about being there and some others. Pretty cool. But Jason, there's something that every adult advocate gets when they become officially become an adult advocate. When What's you that? become an official advocate, you will receive a toolbox, an advocate toolbox from us. We will mail this toolbox to you. It weighs about 40 pounds, and you will wow. be able to put all sorts of tools inside of it. Am I correct? Uh, maybe like drawers that, that don't open unless the top opens, and it saves your shins from being banged because of the rubber feet and edges. 
No, I don't. No. What if what if shins have anything to do with the toolbox? I'm not following you there. Have you never hit your shin on a toolbox? I have I, not. Uh, really? May, maybe you put your toolbox on a shelf. Wait a minute. You've seriously hit your shins with a toolbox lid? Well, not with the lid, but when the toolbox is on the ground and you walk and you don't realize it's on the ground and it's so heavy with all the tools and yeah. then you hit your shin on that box. But it's on the ground. It's on the ground. How do you hit your shin if it's on the ground? Well, the box is not flat. Like the box is, it, it has size to it. So it's about how how high? Really tall toolbox, how, man. How tall is your shin? You know it starts after the about. ankle. Yeah. Well, and that your ankle's what? Maybe three, four yeah, inches that, off the ground. That, I have, I have seen, never ever hit my shin. I on have a toolbox seen toolboxes taller than three or four inches. Really? Yes. Well, yeah, of course. And so, because your shin is the next part of your leg, and toolboxes probably don't go much more than 16 inches. So you're saying the lid is sticking up, and you hit your shin on the lid. I'm just hitting my shin on toolboxes in general, like whether the lid is open or closed. So that's happening a lot for you? Look over there. You see in our studio there's a toolbox? Yeah. Sometimes your shin can hit that. I Yeah, that's a new one for me. It doesn't move. It's probably going to happen to me now in the next week. I'm going to go... Jason, I, I'm going to put darn you. these toolboxes that are heavy in front of your office door. Okay. So speaking of toolboxes, yes. the advocate receives one, and apparently they don't receive an actual toolbox with tools. But apparently, they, and they, we're doing that for their safety because for their we safety. don't want we them don't, to hurt their shins. No shin injuries involved with our toolbox. Okay, good. But what you do receive will be a shirt. You will receive training booklets. You will receive stickers. You will receive ETCs. ETCs, what's that? Extra stuff to take care of. <laughs> As in like etc. That too. Shirts, training booklets, stickers, etc. I know the training booklet's really cool. The training booklet helps you as an advocate really be a guide for students at that school and primarily like teaching you how to pray for that school strategically. That's it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool what's happening as adults are already signing on to become advocates. So if you want to get that toolbox, if you want to get a sweet Claim Your Campus 2020 shirt, which I happen to be wearing as I record this, yes. then become an advocate. Where do, do they need to go? Do you want me to describe your shirt or tell them where to go to get that shirt? Uh, you can describe the shirt. We're going a little long in the bonus segment. Why not? Go yeah, ahead. it's got, you describe know, the, it. it's, a, it's a charcoal heather look for the shirt. It's, okay. I'm sure it's soft it to is the soft. touch. Uh, not like velvet soft, but no. it's it's softer. It's comfortable to wear. Uh, it, ha- it has Claim Your Campus 2020 in block letters. It's a combination of white and uh, our branded yellow on it as well. And so it, it's not flashy. It's not something that's going to be like, oh, man, I have to have that until you actually see it. That's right. It's a good shirt. It's a good shirt. So you get one of those. And you can find those shirts. At? ClaimYourCampus2020.com. Okay. All right. Sounds good.